Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Second Corinthians. Chapter 9 will be where we'll get to. We've been talking about kingdom economics. The Father's heart is to bless His children. Are you one of His children? Well, His heart is to bless you. And you can easily get off of that revelation if you're focusing on your circumstances. Because your circumstances will lie to you and tell you that it'll never get any better. Your circumstances will tell you that they are permanent instead of temporary. The Father's heart, you've got to get revelation of it by the Word of God that is eternal and unchanging. The Father's heart, the very first thing the Father did when He created Adam and Eve according to Genesis 1.28 is He blessed them. He supernaturally empowered them to prosper spirit, soul, and body and everything their hand touched and gave them authority and dominion over that which He had given them. He blessed them. He entered into a covenant with Abraham and said, I will bless you and make you great and I will bless those who bless you. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Proverbs 10:22 says it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Jesus said, "Give and it shall be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over shall be yours in full." The Father's heart is to bless us. Jesus came in the very first sermon he preached was blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed, 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 blessed. Supernaturally empowered. The last thing he said before he left the earth was, the word says that he reached out his hands and he looked at his disciples and then he lifted his eyes toward heaven and he pronounced a blessing on them. It is the Father's intention towards you to bless you. It's His heart. And God has given us an opportunity to partner with Him in the earth as it regards our resources and finances. An opportunity to partner with Him. In fact, in that partnership, the beautiful thing about a covenant, God's kind of covenant, is God made a covenant with us and then He sent Jesus to live up to all of the obligations of that covenant. And then He released all the blessings of the covenant that Jesus lived up to. And our part is to believe, to receive by faith, faith that obeys. There is no other kind of real biblical faith. Faith that doesn't obey is not biblical faith. Faith without works corresponding actions is dead, says the Word of God. But there, there is given to us a wonderful opportunity to partner with our God as it relates to our financial well-being, our provision. In fact, God has said in over the last five 
weeks we have looked at the fact that this wonderful opportunity and desire to bless, there is given to us an opportunity for a holy act of worship. Hebrews 7 and 8 says this, that there is a high priest in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous, who right now receives tithes. Do you know that? Do you know when you release that holy, that 10% off the top of what is given to you, do you know right now that Jesus Christ, your high priest, is there in heaven receiving that? Dean and I have gotten to where whenever there's tithes and offerings given through to the Lord Jesus through this church, I lay my hands on that or I pray over those electronic gifts and I say, Lord, these are, this is yours. Jesus, this is yours. You're the high priest to whom this belongs. So what a high priest do? He received tithes and released blessings. And so I hereby now ask that you will do what a high priest does and I ask you to, receive, to release blessing over those who have invested this holy money to you receives tithes and releases blessings. So you ought to get excited when you release that top 10% portion. You ought to get excited when you and go before Jesus. And it ought to be an act of worship, not an obligation, not something you dread, not something that you criticize because you don't think you can afford it. You go before Jesus and say, thank you for the opportunity that I have to worship you with this that you've given, it's all yours, and you have called me to release this 10% portion back to you, and I worship you with this. Don't just get mechanical. Worship the Lord. He is your high. It goes to Jesus. He's overseeing it. He knows it. In fact, the Bible says that there, you have an account in heaven. Did you know that? Well, there has to be one. Malachi 3 says that when you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that God will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing till it overflows. Well, how would he know to do that if he didn't, if he didn't know that you were investing the tithe? Do you know that Paul says in the fourth chapter of Philippians when he's talking about, and we all know that wonderful verse, my God shall meet all your needs according to his glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know that was in the context of an offering given into the, to, to the ministry of the Lord through the apostle, and he said, and God will make sure that this goes into your account. You got an account in, in the earth, don't you? Don't you have a bank account? Do you know you got an account in heaven? Yeah, you do. You do. There is a high priest who is watching over all the investments made to him. And what a wonderful opportunity that we have with that holy portion to have a holy act of worship that moves heaven. But do you know that God loves you so much is the reason that he wants to be involved in your opportunity? And you know what? This is not about money. Do you know that? You don't have a thing to do with money. The responsibility to partner with God and the opportunity 
to invest that top 10% portion and offerings on top of that. Doesn't have anything to do with money. It has everything to do with sovereignty. Who's Lord? Because, you know, the fact of the matter is God doesn't need money. Do you know that? He is not broke. And he doesn't need money. But you do. Don't you? When God said to Adam and Eve, you be fruitful and multiply and you just, you eat out of anything you see in this garden except there's one tree that I planted. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can't do that because that is mine. If you do it, you're going to die. If you consume something that I say only belongs to me, there's death in there. So if we start consuming that which only belongs to him, if it is holy and it belongs totally him, if we start consuming that, death starts coming in the area of our finances. Things don't go so well. We always have more outgo than we have income. And even if we've got an accumulated stash of money, we don't really ever have money. Money has us. And there's a big difference. So the, the tithe is about sovereignty. Do you believe that He is your God? Do you really believe that He is your provider? Do you is he sovereign? Does he own it all? Or are you in control? And if you're in control, you're going to have to fight the devourer. And you might go ahead and stay up at night if you're going to have to fight the devourer because he's pretty tough. I can say that by personal experience 30 years ago. Whoo, Jesus. Anyway, I want to let you know this that God has given us an opportunity to show us grace. Out of that love, he showed, you know, you know what grace is, don't you? I, I, I mean, how many of you believe that the word of God is true when the word says that God was so much in love with you that he gave his only begotten son? You believe that? God loves us with a love that is unrelenting, unconditional, unfathomable. It's going to take us eternity to get greater all revelation of the love of God. But do you know what grace is? Grace is how love is expressed. Now, you and Pat have been married uh, longer than, than uh, Dean and I have, but do you know, you can say you love Pat, but grace... goes to work. Grace oversees the house. Grace, we'll put it like this. God loves you, yes or no? You know what grace is? He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. 
He satisfies your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Grace is love's expression. It is the favor and the ability of God. That's what grace is. You know, there are all kinds of expressions of grace. The scriptures are full of it. I love where Romans says that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. <laughs> Do you know that there's always more grace than there is sin? Thank you, Lord. Gra and, and you know, I'm getting a little sick of even watching the local news anymore. It's all bad. But can I tell you something? That there is not, there, there are multiplied times more good things happening in this city than those incidences that we see on the news every day. There are tons of things going on that far outlast those that are people expressing love and kindness and service to other people. So don't get in a bind of looking only at those difficult things and get in a spirit of fear. And my Lord, if all you do is study what's going on in Washington, D.C., you're going to start getting in strife, one way or the other. And do you know what strife does? James says that if you operate in strife, you open the door to confusion and every evil thing. So instead of griping and complaining and arguing, why don't you spend more time praying? By grace, you're saved through faith. By grace. God see, saw you and wanted you. By grace, you're saved. How'd you get it? Through faith. That not of yourselves. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. It's forgiving and saving grace. There is enabling grace. I love Romans 5, 17, where it says that those who receive, everybody say receive. Those who receive the abundance of grace. You know what abundance is? More than you need. You know you got more grace than you need? It's overflowing. There's no end to it. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of God's righteousness. You can't earn your way into God's good graces. He already paid the price for you. You've got to receive it. Those who receive the abundance of grace, God's favor and ability, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Christ Jesus. Nothing can overwhelm or overtake or destroy you if you every day will go before God and say, Lord, today I believe Romans 5, 17, I receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What does that mean? I have a gift of right standing before God because of the gift Jesus gave me. Not because I had a great day today, because I might not have so great a day tomorrow. Y'all look at me like I'm nuts. Your pastor don't get everything right. I know y'all do. 
grace, God's favor. He never removes it. There's saving grace. There's forgiving grace. There's enabling grace. I love Hebrews 4.16. Since therefore we have a high priest who is touched with what touches us, let us come boldly to the throne of Do you understand that there's grace before the throne? Some people are so scared to go before God because this sense of guilt. Look, there's grace up there. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Turn one minute to 2 Corinthians 12. I'm going to show you something quickly because there's a lot of confusion about this passage there is sustaining grace. Do you know there are going to be times in your life when what you're praying and believing for just never seems to get any better? Got some of those, hadn't you? Well, three of us do. The rest of you will at some point. And at some point you're going to need some sustaining grace. Grace that will keep you Believing and standing in that place of grace when it don't look like anything's going to happen. You've got circumstances and situations that you do just what Paul did. 2 Corinthians 12 tells us that uh, there in verse 8, Paul says, Paul the apostle wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Do you think he, God heard his prayers? Look here. Paul said, three times I went before God, and I said, Lord, please take this away from me. Remove this. And the Bible calls it an infirmity. Take this away from me. What Jesus say to him, verse 9? And he said to me, my, say it, grace, my favor, my ability is sufficient for you for my strength. Grace has strength in it. My strength is made perfect in the context of your weakness. Hallelujah. Where are you feeling weak today? Is it financially? Is it physically? Is it mentally, emotionally, business-wise? Where, where are you feeling weak? Can I tell you something? If you've got some weakened areas right now, you're a perfect candidate to receive grace that'll strengthen you with might way beyond your ability to do it. Amen. Grace. Grace is precious, isn't it, bud? Bud and I are friends. We've had a similar journey. We've had all these heart things. And Bud and Georgia both many years ago both lost a spouse to sickness. Bud has not lost one child. He's lost two. Without grace, you wouldn't have made it, would you? You wouldn't have made it, would you, Georgia? Grace. Grace. Paul said, can y'all identify with this? Paul said, take this away from me. Fix it, Lord. Fix it. 
How many of you have prayed the Steve Franklin prayer? Fix it, Lord. Stop this. I can tell by your response. You kidding? Jesus answered, my strength, my grace is sufficient for you. In fact, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Most gladly, I will rather boast in my weakness, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. What is worth the power of Christ resting on you? What's worth it? Would a little temporary time of weakness in the grand scheme of things not be worth the power of Christ when he gets glory for his resolution? Now understand that this was written somewhere around 55 to 56 A.D., Okay, 2 Corinthians was written somewhere around 55 to 56 A.D. Do you know that the last letter that Paul wrote to Timothy tells us in chapter 4, Paul says, I have run the race, I have finished the course. You know what Paul's saying? That infirmity that I kept on asking God, please take this away from me, that he said, I'm going to give you something more important than relief. I'm going to give you the resolution that only grace can give you. Do you know that Paul was executed in somewhere around 67 or 68 AD by the Roman Emperor Nero? You know what that tells you? That Paul had at least 10 to 12 more years of being able to actively, totally finish everything God called him to do. So there are those who say, oh, that thorn in the flesh, it had him. No, it didn't. He finished. So either God restored him, and he, I got to believe that somewhere along the way that that strengthening Enabling grace turned into healing grace. The man went on and finished year after year after year. I know some of you, and I pray for you every day, who have suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. Every morning when I get up, I thank the Lord for a pain-free night, and for those of you on my flock that the Lord brings to my mind who are still suffering, I pray over you as soon as I get up and pray that prayer. Some point, sustaining grace will turn into healing grace. Until or unless the Lord has such a higher purpose that was going to give him eternal glory as he did for Bryant, you ought to believe and stand for healing grace to eventually be the product of sustaining grace. Did everybody hear that? Be bold in your faith. Pray and believe and be relentless in the pursuit of total wholeness in the name of Jesus. But I want to show you here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 a marvelous 
marvelous promise that there's not just saving grace. There's not just forgiving and enabling and sustaining grace. There is financial grace. Out of God's love for you as his child, God's desire is that you have supernatural favor and ability on your finances. In the context of financial sowing and reaping, I said in the context of financial sowing and reaping in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6, about sowing and reaping. In verse 8, God, uh, the, the word says, God is able to make all what? Grace abound towards you. In what area? So that you always, having all sufficiency, in how many? All things may have an abundance for what? Every good work. How many of you say, I would love to experience that? Now let me just describe that for you. That as somebody operating under the control and direction with your security in your heavenly Father, that you would have the heart of your Father so that there would always be all sufficiency and beyond sufficiency you may have an abundance. What's an abundance? More than enough. How many of you would join Dina and I and would like to say, I would love to have that place where there's always more than enough so that every time the Lord touches me to invest somewhere in some need in the kingdom of God, there would always be more than enough. Hallelujah. That's where our God would love for us to be. It's not a pious dream in the sky. The word of God is sure and steadfast. God is able to make all grace. How do you get it? By grace. It is a gift of grace. God's favor. God's ability. So that when God begins to bless you and you're able to give wherever the spirit of God leads you to give or somebody says, how did you get there? You say, my father gave me that. My father gave me that. It is grace. Grace. If you ask for grace in everything else, why don't you get hold of this word and say, God, I want the grace of God to be manifested in my finances. Grace. God's favor. God's ability. God's favor. And notice this is in the context of those who desired to partner with God, to partner with Him. He is the provider, and we have responsibilities to walk in line and under the authority of His word. Abound toward you so that always having all sufficiency in all things, you may have an abundance for every good work. Wow. I don't know about you, 
But I don't have the, kind, the measure of grace yet. Oh, I've got a measure of grace far beyond anything that I've ever had. But I want to tell you, I don't have the measure of grace yet. Because you know what? I see some things. Dina sees some things. We see some things we want to do for the kingdom of God and the called out servants of the kingdom of God that we're not quite able to do. So I want to tell you, I'm reaching forward. I am praying and aspiring that the measure of grace might be more and more and more endued on us so that every single time, boom, soon as we see that and feel that twinge of the Holy Spirit, boom, we're able to release. Wouldn't you love to be there? Who wouldn't want to be there? My, <coughs> who wouldn't want that? But don't leave that as a dream out there. The Word says God desires for us to get there. Did you see that? God is able. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know how in the world I would ever be so blessed that I would always be able to give anything that, I, that you prompted me to give into any of the causes that you told me to give it into. I don't know how that would ever happen. Go back to the first few words of verse 8. God is able. God is able. Look down in verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower... You see, God's not interested in giving seed to those who are not interested in sowing. I mean, why would he give seed to somebody who's not going to sow? May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. In other words, those basic necessities of life plus the ability to invest in the kingdom of God with seed. May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. May he, may God supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Wow. So maybe you ought to join your prayer with the Holy Scriptures and say, God, I'm asking you to supply and multiply. This is what I do every time that, that we receive. We, when we receive things, I ask God to supply and multiply that seed. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown. How many of you know if you're praying about seed that's in a jar, it's not going to work? Some of you have sown and sown and sown and sown and sown and sown and sowed. Why don't you get busy praying these two verses right here? God, I know you're able, and I ask that you will supply and multiply the seed we have sown and increase the harvest of that righteousness. Hallelujah. That's praying in line with the will of God because it's praying in line with the Word of God. And understand that the purpose of this blessing... Going down to verse 11, while you are enriched in everything, why? So you can just relax and depend on your money. No! While you are enriched in everything 
for the purpose of liberality, of giving, of sharing, of sowing, which, listen, why? Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. What is he saying? Sowing into the kingdom of God as he, show, as he leads, it gives thanksgiving to God. And notice what happens. This service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Do you know what? When you begin to give, as the Lord tells it gives God thanks. Thanksgiving. And notice this. While through the proof of this ministry, the ministry of sowing and reaping, they glorify God for the, your obedience of the confession of your faith to the gospel of Christ and your liberal sharing with them and all men. And, listen, by their prayer for you, it's not only going to give glory to God, but it's going to cause those who receive are going to start praying for you. How many of you know prayer is more powerful than money? There's no comparison. No comparison. To have somebody praying for you is far more valuable than money. Amen. And by their prayer for you, who long for you, because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Yep, you have an account with God. If you're getting weary and not seeing any harvest, understand this, delay is not denial. God's law is perfect and eternal. It will come to pass. And besides that, his grace always abounds where there's need. Do you know what? You never measure a gift by the face amount. The power of a gift is never measured by God by the face amount of it. It's measured by the proportion of what you have left when you give. Remember what Jesus taught that. Remember that? The little widow came and gave everything she had, and the disciples were all impressed with all the high and mighty, and their great, magnificent gifts. And Jesus said, no, she gave more than they did. She gave all she had to live on. When Elisha was ministering and had ran out of food, he ran into a little city. And there was a little widow there that had some children, and they, they didn't have hardly anything. And Elisha went to her as a believer and he said, um, would you fix a little food for us? Would you? And she said, oh, sir. She said, I'd love to do it, but I only have a little, little vial of oil left. It's all I have left. I'm going to make a few little cakes for me and my sons to live on, and then we die. And Elisha said, as the representative of God. He said, you go in there and you pour that oil and you fix a little cake for me first. As God's prophet, see what happens. She did it 
And the Bible says that Elisha said, okay, now that you've done it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go all over the neighborhood, and I want you to get all kind of basins. One's not going to do it. And I'm going, I ask you to go to your neighbors and say, um, do you have some surplus of oil I could have? She went all over the neighborhood, and she brought back multiplied vases of oil. She brought them back to the prophet, and he said, okay, now here's what you do. You take that oil, you go to the market, you sell it, and you and your children live as long as you need. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do things that don't make a lot of sense to our natural brain. But I want to tell you something. God can do a lot with a little. A little boy came to hear Jesus one day. There were 5,000 men there, plus women and children. And they gathered up what food they had. He had five little pieces of bread and two little fish. And Jesus said, bring those to me. And the disciples were griping and they were saying, why? This is nowhere near enough. It's not going to work. Jesus said, bring them here to me. They brought them to Jesus, and the Word said, remember what he did? He lifted them up to heaven, and he blessed them. And he began to break them, and not only did they feed the whole multitude, but they had to gather up the fragments of food that was left. God can do a lot with a little. So never think that your investment makes no difference to your father. Get in partnership and obedience to him. You know what it does? It gives you an opportunity to see the hand of God move on your behalf. But you know what else it does? It gives you a peace that you are now walking in obedience. And it's up to him to fix it. And he will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. When Dean and I first started this so many years ago, we didn't get immediate resolution, but we got immediate peace. And what we found is that grace is a whole lot more than just the showing up of money. What we found out then is we started having grace that we never had before. Grace with creditors, grace with suppliers, grace with, do you know, uh, some of you need to understand that you need not just an income in your business, you need grace with your customers, your clients, your patients. Grace doesn't start and stop with just some income. Grace is fully reaching. What an opportunity we have to get involved in covenant with our Lord. Let's pray together. How many of you would say, Pastor, God's Word has spoken to me again today as I've been renewed and reminded of what an incredible opportunity my Father has given me to partner with Him 
The only thing that has kept me from partnering with him is my own unbelief or my own ability to try to act sovereign and figure it out, to decide whether I can or can't. Oh God, give me the grace to just decide to obey you. Because when I decide to obey you, then you can figure it out. Thank you that my future is not up for grabs. It's in your hands. And thank you, O oh God, that there is also financial grace, God's favor and ability. And I long for you to use me, God. Hmm. I don't know who this is for, but somebody needs to hear this today. God is saying to you, one of your problems in involving yourself in my kingdom and my economic system is not that you're unwilling to give, you don't know how to receive. Your pride has kept you from ever admitting your need and you don't know how to receive. You couldn't give me anything, says the Lord, until you received from me. If that's for you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Father, thank you for the financial grace. Thank you that you're able to cause all grace abound to us. So that always having all sufficiency, we may have an abundance for every good deed. Oh, how we long to be able to just invest in your kingdom anytime and in every place that you touch us. We long for it, Lord. We know it gives you glory and praise. And it gives us prayer support. We thank you for that. So give us greater revelation of this mighty covenant we have in you, Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.